started a series last week called uh, Born Identity, and we're discovering who we are uh, through the book of Ephesians. Uh, to be honest, I've never received so much feedback as I've ever done from one, one particular sermon. It was, it was positive, thankfully, uh, uh, and it was definitely a watershed moment for myself personally. Uh, my story uh, has been one of discovering my true identity. Uh, and from the place of knowing that I'm a friend of God, I'm a child of God, and then able to use that authority that he's given to me to, to help others find their identity. So uh, this is definitely something that is part of us. We're living it, I'm living it. Uh, and to be honest, we've been thinking about this particular series, if you like. Uh, we've been thinking about this for over six months. Like when... God, when, when do you want us to talk about this? When do you want us to begin doing this? Um, uh, last week, I really only did one word. The first word of the book of Ephesians, which was Paul. Kind of like we, we camped into this word Paul. Like God gave him a new name. Uh, so I've got a feeling this, this sermon series may last a little while. Um, one, of the, one of the lights as you read scripture is you as you pray it, as you say it, uh, as you begin memorising it, what happens is the, the Spirit of God, um, the Spirit of God mixed with the Word of God, it begins to transform you. Uh, a friend of ours, uh, she, she would make this incredible goat curry, and she would marinate this goat curry, uh, this goat, this meat, for days, days and days and days before then cooking it. Uh, I thought it was going to be like Brittany today. Hello. Hit me baby one more time. <laughs> She would marinate this meat for days and days and days, and it would hum. The flavour would just be humming as, as, uh, as you tasted it. It's a bit like that with Scripture. As we memorise it, read it, pray it, say it, learn it, meditate on it, it begins to change us. The, the flavour of God begins to change within us. And um, Ephesians was, it was written by this guy called Paul. He wrote most of the letters found in the New Testament. And writing to Timothy in another, in another letter, uh, Timothy was uh, one of the leaders of the church in Ephesus. And he said this to him. He said, every part of scripture is God-breathed and useful for one way or the other, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, and training us how to live God's way. Through the word of God, this is, I love this phrase, this isn't the message, but through the word of God we are put back together. Yeah. And we're shaped up for the task God has, God has for us. Uh, and here, what we believe at, uh, in this church is the best way to be a disciple, follower of Jesus, is to read the scriptures. Is to read the scriptures. Um, so let me just read. We're going to, we're not going to, we're going to do more than one word today. Um, but we're only going to do a verse. <laughs> so it's uh, Ephesians 1, uh, verse 1. And it says, 
says Paul. Let me just read from, from this, this version here. Sorry. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus, and to the faithful who are in Christ Jesus. And verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of God. It's absolutely true, and it was given to us in love. So Paul, we, we started last week. Paul, he, he starts with Paul. He then goes on to say that he's an apostle. The word apostle just means a, a sent one. That's literally what it means, a sent one. Somebody sent from heaven to bring change on earth. So we've got these, these opening lines. Paul, I'm an apostle. Talk about knowing who you are. Uh, and this is how the guy begins the letter. And he's saying this, Paul, I'm Paul. This is the one God has sent. Uh, the glory has put the glorious future over. I've been sent from heaven to bring change on earth. Uh, wouldn't you and I, we'd love to be as confident as that, wouldn't we? Um, and Paul's basically saying, yeah, I know who I am. And I know who I'm for. God has sent me, God has launched me to bring an anchor of hope into a broken humanity. So this word apostle, it means sent one. Uh, it wasn't a particularly religious word. Um, it wasn't sort of taken from religion, it was taken from a political, it's a political word, where the Romans would send someone like Pontius Pilate, and they would send them from Rome to create the culture of Rome into that, wherever they happen to be. And the Roman, the Roman Empire, they, they, some of their philosophy was around bringing peace through domination. Bringing peace through conflict. And so they would, they would enter a country, they would enter a city, they would enter a region. And they would uh, then send apostles, they would dominate that region, and then send apostles to make that area, that city, look like Rome. And they would charge these apostles, saying, you carry the culture of our empire. You carry the, our culture. Now go to this outpost, wherever that happens to be and be an apostle in that outpost. So here, uh, Paul uses this political language of the apostle and says about himself, I bring the culture of heaven to earth. I am the sent one. That's what I do, and that's what I bring. So Paul, uh, point one last week was Paul, he knows who he is. Point two this week is he knows his authority and the heavenly assignment that he has. And so over these next uh, few weeks, months, years, um, <laughs> I just simply want, want to declare, declare that you'll know your point one and point two. That you'll know your identity, you'll know what authority you carry. Uh, and as we begin walking, as you begin walking to your identity and authority, our dream and our scheme with God is that all of us here will say, I know who I am. I know who I am. I know where I am. <laughs> so not only will we know where we are, who we are, um, we'll know our name. It's interesting as well that when we get to heaven, we're going to get a new name. It's interesting. We're going to get a new name. Uh, but we know why we're here on earth as well. So Paul here, he writes, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. 
And again, he didn't make it up. He didn't come up with a good idea. He didn't generate his plan, his new identity, his new authority. He didn't even say, do you know what, I fancy a bit of a change. Uh, I'm a bit tired of being a pastor, teacher, evangelist type. I know I'm going to be an apostle. I'm now a self-appointed apostle. It's not what he says. He says, Paul, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. Uh, Alan Scott, he, he leads a, an amazing church over in Northern Ireland, and he says this about Jesus. He says, Jesus, he is the radiance of the Father's glory, the exact representation of his being. Jesus, who rules above the very powers that has been hostile to us. This Jesus who reigns in unparalleled beauty and unrivaled victory. And this is who Paul is proclaiming him. And it's Jesus who's given Paul his apostleship. Only Jesus has. And it's one thing, just for us really, it's one thing to think too much of yourself if it's just your thoughts. But this is what I want to propose. It's another thing to think or not own and believe what God says about you. Did you get that? Yeah. Um, let me say it another way. If someone here says, stands up and they say, Hi, uh, my name's Simon, I'm an apostle. We'll probably say, No, you're not. You, no, you're not. Uh, yes, you're called by God uh, to bring about change in the community. Um, but please sit down. We'll do that quietly. But if God says to Simon, Simon, stand up. This is your assignment. This is your inheritance. I've had you in mind for a destiny that is so much greater than you can ever imagine. You may have thought you were just a, a man getting, going to heaven. But I, I've got doors fully wide open for you. You're, uh, and I'm going to open up something around your life. That if I, was a, if I was to tell you everything, it would blow your mind. It would be too much for you. It's unimaginable. It's inconceivable. So if God starts speaking to Simon about who he is and what his destiny is, but Simon doesn't own it, that's a problem. That's a real problem. That's a problem for Simon. It's a problem for the earth. It's a problem between his relationship with God. But Paul here, he gets it. He gets his identity and his authority from Christ Jesus. And so this is going to be important for the Ephesians to grasp. That also they, they've got identity in Jesus Christ. Um, so I started thinking, how does this play out in our lives? Uh, I, I would say there's really a day that goes past by in my life where I don't hear bad news. Um, from somewhere. I don't know if that's the same for you. Rarely a day that I, I don't get a message, I don't get an email, or WhatsApp, or a message talking, talking to people. Uh, it's probably the same for you. A friend I know who's got cancer, a family member who has cancer. Someone's just been diagnosed with an illness. Someone's had a car accident. Someone's lost their job. Someone has conflicts with someone else. Uh, a family relationship is teared. A marriage is about to fall apart. Rarely a day, rarely a day in my life when, when that happens. Same for you. Same for you. Um, in the middle of it all, the things that keep us censored 
and anchored is this revelation that Jesus is above it all. He's above it all. This, and this is what, what Paul is saying. This is the Jesus. This is the God who sits above all things and then sends Paul. Um, it's, it's, all, it's just really intriguing to me. Usually when I want things to change, I say, God, would you change it? We do that as well. We pray, God, change, change the situation. Um, I want to propose that God often says, when he wants things to change, he normally says to me, you change. Often. I just want to propose that. When I pray, um, I imagine God with his magic staff and just saying, I wish you would go abracadabra in the name of Jesus and everything sort of gets fixed and sorted. And if I was God, I'm sure if you were, we would do it. That's how we would do it. Abracadabra. It's all, it's all fine. Just where you are now, just have a think about the problem in your life. The thing, the area in your life that you've been stuck with. It might be you've been stuck with this for months, years, days, weeks. What is it personally? Yesterday you were out on the streets uh, asking people if God could give you a miracle today. If he could do something for you personally, what would he, what could he do? What would he do for you? What about for you guys? Sometimes in God's wisdom, uh, he wants to change you and me. Uh, let's think about social problems in our society. God, would you, uh, and many of us have prayed this, God, would you tackle the problems of domestic violence in our city, in our in Ballard? in our community? Would you tackle the problems of domestic violence in our nation, in our community? Uh, in John 20, 21, Jesus says this, As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Heaven responds and says, uh, So send I, send you. What? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Now, God, would you just send peace and unity in our nation? Would you, Lord, help the refugees, help the homeless? Do something about the refugee and homeless crisis in London, in our nation, in the world. Heaven replies, so send I, send you. No, no, God, look, I'm praying. I'm using really good words here. I'm even, I'm praying like five, five minutes extra in tongues a day. Like, oh, Lord, just change it, change it. Bring great leaders into our nation. Our nation lacks quality leaders to set direction and purpose and culture. Our, our nation needs unity. So send I, send you. We hate it, don't we? So send I. No, don't do it that way. Just wave a magic wand. Every prayer that you're praying right now, every problem that you're stuck in, just turn to your neighbour and say, so send I, send you. But God, you don't understand, my workplace, God, my workplace, uh, my boss, my colleagues, they're unbearable. Uh, so send I send you. Uh, one phrase that I love is that we're to be like thermostats, not thermometers. 
we're to set the temperature of the culture. We're to set the temperature in our workplace, in our, uh, in our homes, in our marriages, in our relationships. Not to be thermometers reacting to, to what the, the heat or the, the temperature is going on. And although some of us, we may never be an apostle, as Paul says, you're nonetheless sent one. You're a sent one. Everyone, every, everywhere, every day, in ordinary, every, everyday moments, being sent by God. Um, it's really frustrating. Uh, I find it really frustrating. Um, so God, you've asked God this question. You send us. So what are you doing? What are you doing while you send us? You know, what are you doing? And God says, I'm with you. That's great, but I'd prefer it if you were, went before me. It's much easier. It's interesting that Jesus says in Matthew 18, uh, Matthew 28, 18, the Great Commission, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of nations. And, and then he goes on. And then he says, and surely I am with you. Surely I'm with you to the very end. He's saying here that wherever you go, I'll come. Wherever you go, I'll, I'll be there. I want to propose that God, he may not come unless we go. I've got it in my notes here. I put, isn't that annoying? <laughs> it's really annoying. We sing songs, don't we? Where you go, I'll follow. Lead me on. I'll go where you go. But he says to us, wait. And he, I imagine him, yesterday I was thinking about this. I imagine he's singing over us. Where you go, I'll, I'll follow. So said I sing you. So Paul, he knows who he is. He knows what he carries. Point, point three, if you're still following. What Paul is really wanting the church in the city to know and understand is who they are. Uh, and this is where we're going to just dig, dig in for a little bit for the rest of the time. And he writes, he writes to the saints in Ephesus, to God's holy people. And again, I was just thinking of all the words that, God, that Paul could have used. Saints is probably the most unexpected. Most unexpected word for him to use. It's not a word that, that seemed to fit the view of themselves, the, the Ephesians in, in the city. It wasn't a word that seemed to fit their culture, their view of themselves. I can almost imagine Paul in the prison as he's writing this letter. He just pauses. I just imagine pausing and thinking about what word can I use to help them see who they really are, who they really are in Christ Jesus. What's the one? What's one word that I can use? And he's maybe praying, God, what's one word that encapsulates your view of them? What's one word that I can use to describe how heaven sees uh, the people, the followers of Jesus? And he writes, saints. Um, just in the culture, it's, it's a stark contrast to the culture, their background, their relationships. They had a particular view of, of who they are. Uh, because of when you live in a culture of hostility, dishonor, and you're involved in that environment long enough, you start to develop that worldview around around. Uh, and so when, when you live in a household 
a workplace, a school, when you're bullied, or whatever it is that's been happening to you, you begin, if you're there long enough, you begin to develop a culture of worthlessness. You begin to act and look like the culture. And so the, the church in Ephesians sometimes acted like the culture in that city. boy growing up, I used to wonder what it was like to be a father, what it was like to have a father. My friend's dad seemed to be involved and uh, interested. They seemed to be loving. My dad was distant, he was aloof, he was unloving. I had to find my dad often. I had to go and seek, find him. And uh, a child psychologist would say that children are brilliant receptors. They receive all kinds of information but they're poor interpreters. They soak in, they absorb, they're like sponges, they soak everything that's going around them. Um, but um, psychologists say that they're poor, poor interpreters. So I would receive this information in my head about, uh, about dad. He had a family of his own, he had his own son, and I'd look at my, my friends and their dads, and my interpretation was it must be me. It's got to be my fault. Something must be wrong with me. And so I played quite a lot of football. I, uh, uh, and I would see dads on the sidelines cheering, cheering the boys on. And I would interpret that as, I'm not wanted. No one's, no one's proud. So I would be, I was really obsessed with football. And I, I, would, I would imagine one day my dad's going to be at the sidelines. One day my dad's going to turn up and he'd be really proud. And so I excelled at most sports. I captained most of our teams just because of that drive to maybe one day my dad would turn up and say he's really proud. Um, it never happened. And so what I did is, because I interpreted that, I, I absorbed what happened to me and lived under uh, this poor interpretation. And it was only when I was, became a dad myself, uh, I began to realise it was his fault. He missed out. He missed out on me. He missed out on my, his grandkids. He missed out on Bill. He missed out on the whole, whole world. And so the Ephesians, they've been living up so long under the cosh. They can't see who they are. I, they, and I couldn't see who I was in God, even as a follower of Jesus. Uh, I don't know if you've ever met someone who's lived under the cosh for, for a long time. They become under the cosh. They become what they've, what they've absorbed. They no longer have an illness. They're just ill. They no longer have difficulty at work. Work's a nightmare. Do you know anyone like that? You don't have uh, and they become their thing. They've become the thing that's around them. And they've just lived under it for far too long. Paul writes to them and says, I want you to know when you're struggling in your suffering, I want you to remember who you are. And he says to all of us that same thing, I want you to remember who you are. Uh, people with cancer, or people that we know, we, cancer might be eating your body right now, but I want you to know there's so much, there's, so much, there's someone so much greater than cancer. 
your finances may be in the biggest hole that you've ever been in. But you'll never be bankrupt. We have all the riches in Christ. You might look at your relationships. You might, uh, your family relationships, your marital status, your loneliness. You might feel that they're as bankrupt, uh, as broken, as dysfunctional as it's possible, possible to be. But God says, you'll never be abandoned. You'll never be alone. And so, as we begin to see ourselves the way God sees us, our identity changes. Jesus begin, Jesus begin to change us. Jesus changes. And we're no longer anonymous. We're no longer a victim of our circumstance. No longer branded by the world around us. Amen. <coughs> Paul says, don't forget who you are. God says, don't forget who you are. This is far from positive thinking. This is far from standing in front of the mirror in the morning. And like, you go get it. It's more than that. It's, Paul's not saying if you can dream it, you can be it. This is actually how heaven sees you right now. It's heaven's perspective of the people of Jesus. We are already saints. No more calling yourself a sinner saved by grace. That's really poor theology. That's not how God sees you. God doesn't write to the sinners saved by grace in that he says to the saints, uh, 1 John 1, 7 says, But if we walk in the light, and he is the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sin. Sin is anything that separates us from, from God. Anything that we do, uh, any thought, word, action that we do to ourselves or other people, and it separates us from God. The devil and yourself will, will often make you feel like you're not qualified or not clean enough to go near God. But the truth is, regardless of how you feel, what you've done, the blood of Jesus, what he's done for you and I, cleanses us from all sin. In the original Greek here, uh, which is how they, how they wrote most of the New Testament, the, 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 tense, the, the, tense, the Greek word for cleanses denotes this present continuous action. This means once you're a follower of Jesus, the blood of Jesus keeps on cleansing you. It's like you're in God's permanent washing machine. You're in God's permanent wash cycle. Otherwise, if it was just about repenting every time you sinned, asking God for forgiveness every time you sinned, none of us would get in. Just think about your week. I'm going to be brave. Just put up your hand if you sinned this week. Yeah. Keep your hands up. Put your hands down if every time you sin you ask for forgiveness. None of us are getting in if it's that way. If it is about asking for forgiveness every time you sin, we all fail. But it's not. Thankfully, it's not. But, um, you're still in the light because of the blood of Jesus that continues to cleanse you. That's why God calls you saints. 
Now, we fail. We step out of God's grace, God's life. We step out of that, the things that we do. If we continually to move away from God, we step away from that. But God's, many, God's continually washing us. I don't know if there's a, there's a great description. You're a saint. Okay, lastly, I need to finish. Verse 1. Um, Paul, to finish. You know when a preacher says that to finish? I, I will finish. Uh, Paul adds the words to the faithful, to the faithful, those who are full of faith, those holding on the faithfulness of God in the middle of life. I don't know if there's a better word under heaven that we can call, that God can call us the faithful. Uh, all of us, when we reach the pearly gates, when we go toe to toe with our maker, uh, we'll see the love and the kindness in his eyes. That's why the Bible says it's, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Not his judgment. It's his kindness that leads us to it. So we want to repent because of God's, God's kindness towards us. Not his judgment. God is always moving towards us in his kindness. He's never static. He always moves towards us. That's why, as a community, we go. We move towards people. When we meet Jesus... Uh, I don't know what your dream is on that day. What will he say to you? He's going to say, the Bible says, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful. Well done, good and faithful servant. One day, God's going to say he's proud of you. But he's not reserving that comment for that day. He wants to release that to us now. All across the room right now, he wants to release uh, that right now. And God is speaking over individuals. You're already faithful. You might be in the midst of uh, I was going to use a swear word. But you might be in the midst of I say crap. Rubbish, rubbish, yes. Uh, some of you this morning are, are wondering, are you going to make it? Wondering if your relationship with Jesus is going to survive the pressures of life. You're wondering if you're going to be able to sustain life, the pressure, this culture. Um, as your pastor, I want to say this really humbly. God says that you've forgotten who you are. You've forgotten who you are. Paul says, you're faithful. Your faith is sure. Your foundation is sure. God has already branded you, marked you with his love, culture of heaven over you. We need to start believing it. Otherwise, there's a problem. Faith isn't something that you have to obtain. It's something that you receive. And how much faith do we need? Show me, show me. Just show me. Everyone show me. Tiny bit. We don't need much. Uh, so, I ask you to read Ephesians. Marinate in Ephesians. Look up the word faithful in the scriptures on Google. Like, look it up. Marinate. Marinate it. Read the stories of, of faith. Hebrews 11. Read the kind of hall of fame of people of faith. Um, we, uh, we want to encourage some people today. And uh, a few days ago, I was praying about some people that God wanted to encourage. And uh, I've got it written down, so I'm sorry. Uh, Tony and Mate, would you guys stand up? God, God his, uh, his ambition is to encourage.
Alright, and so I've just put down encourage the sons of men. God says that you belong in the hall of faith. Yeah. Amongst the faithful. Uh, we met we met New Year's Day this year. Uh, I, I felt God say that this year, 2017, you'll look back because heaven sees this year as a year of celebration. We don't make predictions here, but I just see part of I see cheers, I see joy, I see laughter. Uh, when you came here for the first time, New Year's Day, I felt it was significant that at the beginning of this year, God is setting you in a family. He's positioning you in a centre. And uh, he sings over you. I heard God say that he rejoices over you singing. So, just a few people, just go around, just pray for them, just pray for them. We're going to invite the, the band to come around. So just, if you're around Tony and Mappe, just begin praying for them. The rest of us, why don't you stand?